We started on fellowship last week. And we defined fellowship as koinonia. That's a Greek word. And it, and it means partnership, social in, intercourse or oneness, communion, that which is defined as a sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. Koinonia. Fellowship. When we talk about fellowship in the body of Christ, fellowship in the church, this is what we're referring to. It's an intimacy, a partnership, a oneness at a mental or spiritual level. And as I go, you will see how God has framed everything and how he's putting all things in place so that we can have koinonia, not only with the Father and the Son, but also with each other. So we talked last week about Christ who was revealed and declared by the apostles so that all who hear and believe can have fellowship or koinonia with the Father and His Son Jesus Christ and with each other. The mystery was revealed through Christ that all who believe will be one with the Father and the Son and conform into the image of Christ. That is the mystery. This was the plan of God from the beginning that he will have fellowship with redeemed man. That was the plan of God from the beginning. He will have intimacy with redeemed man. And we who are now being fitted together in a holy temple in the Lord for a dwelling place or habitation of God in the Spirit was always God's plan to have koinonia with man, redeemed man, not the fallen man, redeemed man. And to live in man and for man to live in him. So that he be one with man. Having koinonia, fellowship at an intimate, spiritual level. And God, as I said, was the plan and and revealed in these last days to Christ. That he is fitting a holy temple in the Lord for for a dwelling place of himself in the spirit. The tabernacle is not a tabernacle made with hands for that he wants to dwell in. He wants to dwell in the tabernacle made without hands. That's in us. So, to understand what fellowship looks like, to understand what koinonia looks like, we have to understand what God is doing through the Son by the Holy Spirit. And when you see the majesty, the wisdom, and the awesomeness of God's plan, you will never ever see yourself as just going to church. You would see yourself in a, in a myriad of ways but not only individually, but you're part of something bigger than yourself. And you'll see how we're supposed to fit in and function in it to bring forth what God desires to bring forth in this time in history. So let's start in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, that is Christ, who has made both one. And you'll see who the both is in a minute. And has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. 
Who is he talking about? They're talking about both the Jew and the non-Jew. The Jew and the Gentile. Because he said Christ is our peace. And he has broken down the wall of partition. Because he did away with the old covenant. So there was before, there was the Jew, the covenant with the Jews, and everyone else who was excluded. Separated from God. But in the Old Testament, God already said in Zechariah what his plan was. If you go in Zechariah 2.10, I think it is. Okay. That is why Jesus came. He came to do away with the old and to institute a new covenant. Instituting a new covenant broke down the wall of separation. Because there's a, now there's a different high priest than the old. And then the high priest now is in, not in the tabernacle made with hands. He's actually, by his blood, he's now in the Holy of Holies, in the actual presence of God. That's the new covenant. Now, that and because of that, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. He says, in him, Christ, there's going to be one new man. Taking the Jew and the non-Jew and bringing them one. In him, so that they can have fellowship with the Father through the Son. So now, all those who are far off, because it says here, he himself, in verse 15, he created, um, has to create in himself one new man. This new man is formed in the image of Christ. One new man from the two, making peace between the Jew and the non-Jew. So there is now one new man in Christ, being formed, being framed. And we are members of that new man. So he said in verse 16 that he might reconcile them both to God. What does reconcile mean? If you're an accountant, you know what reconciliation means. Reconcile is to make sure that something that's out of, out of order is brought back into order. So reconciliation has to do with all those who are far off, separated from God, was brought back into fellowship or relationship with God. Having koinonia, fellowship with God. That is what the reconciliation has. And the reconciliation took place through the blood of Christ. Because without the shedding of blood, there was no remission or no forgiveness of sin. So since now we have a, new, a high priest who is in the Holy of Holies in his own blood, we now can come before the Father and be reconciled to the Father through the Son. So that we can have koinonia or fellowship with the Father and the Son. And eventually with each other. So now, this Jew, and there's no more Jew or non-Jew. We are all now one in Christ. We are, now the Jew and the non-Jew can have fellowship with one another. There is no more separation. That has been done away in Christ. And he said, he came, who? The Son of Man came and preached to you who were afar off. That is the non-Jew. And how did he do it? He did it through the apostles. He preached the word through the apostles by the spirit to the, those who are far off and to those who are near. Those who the covenant, the first covenant was, was, was with. So that not only did those who are the Jew, but also those who are far off, the non-Jew, they hear the same message and now they are all in Christ. Baptized into Christ by the same spirit. That's very important. Boy, I tell you, get this, it will change the way you think. So there is no longer separation. The Jew and the non-Jew can actually have fellowship. Fellowship, koinonia. By the same spirit. There is no separation. There is no separation. If there is division 
you know that there is something that's not right. Because there is no division in the Holy Spirit. There is no separation in God. If people, you hear people who are claiming to be Christians, saying, we hate Jews, we don't like Jews, we don't like this, we don't like that, there is something wrong. Because Jesus died for the Jew and the non-Jew. He died for the Arabs. He died for, you name it, he died. He said, because the Bible says what? Whosoever believe will not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever does, whosoever have a disclaimer saying it's specific to one or the other? No. Whosoever believes. Because in Christ there is no longer any separation. Anyone who believes in Christ can now come before the throne of grace. Have koinonia with the Father and the Son. Anyone. Anyone. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Anyone who comes before the, who believes in the Son can have koinonia. Fellowship with the Father and the Son. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and I'll, and I'll show you something here. Let me show you what this new man is supposed to look like. Let me sh- show you what God is doing. And you know, a lot of this you all already know. But I believe it's important as I keep doing, going through the series on fellowship, you'll see what the Lord Jesus was talking about in John 17 about the last days. Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And then we're going to read, uh, read and jump around. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. He's saying Christ is made up of many members. For by one spirit, verse 13, we were all baptized into one body. When we said yes to Jesus, we were all taken out from the kingdom of darkness and the input into the kingdom of light. But where were we inserted? In the body of Christ. We were all put in the body of Christ by that same spirit. So whether you're Jew or non-Jew, it's irrelevant. You believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit translated you from the kingdom of darkness into the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. We are all part of the same. It's the same when you do communion. When you, when you take, all take part of the body. We are all showing our identity in Christ. That we are all part, even though we are separate, we are all part of a whole. Verse 14. And in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So he's just repeating what he says. The body of Christ is not one member, it's many. Why is that? And let's go to verse 18. Let me show you something here. But now, God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as He pleased. Now, what is that saying? It says, when you said yes to Jesus, you were taken out of darkness and inserted in the body of Christ. But you weren't inserted any old way. It says here in verse 18, But now, God has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased. You're not just put haphazardly in the body. You're not just thrown in there. Just taken out from darkness and thrown in the body. There is a specific place God has for you in the body. A specific place God has for each one of us in the body of Christ. Oh my God. I'm telling you, this will change your life. Let's go to verse 24. Remember that. 
We were taken out of darkness and put specifically in the body at a specific place. Verse 24. But our presentable parts have no need. Hmm. But God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. Not only were you placed in the body specifically, there are certain parts of the body which we pay a lot of attention to, but which are not that valuable. And the parts which are not honorable, which we don't deem honorable, God has given it more honor. Why? Because what you pay attention to, what you give more attention to, and what you regard more important in one part of the body and the other, that ought not to be. God gives the part which considered to be less honorable more honor so that there will be no division in the body. Because, oh my God, the wisdom of God. Because God does not want preferential treatment to members of the body. Look here, look here in verse 20, in verse 25. He's, in verse 24. God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. The part of the body that lacks honor, he's given greater honor. And there, that there should be no division in the body. Because what's going to happen? If we put particular, uh, uh, more attention on one part of a body than the other, what happens? There's going to be division because we won't care for each part the same way. Alright. We get up this morning. We put on our makeup. We try to make our outer part look as great as possible. We dress it up. We do whatever we need to do. But the inward part, are we taking care of the inward? Are we as much as we taking care of the outward? Are we? If you look at the world, what does the world pay a lot of attention to as far as the body? The outward appearance. Right? But the important thing is, the parts that are inwards, do we give it as much care as the parts that are outside? Because we buy all these creams, we do all this, anything to make the outside look good. But you know what? If the skin gets hurt, gets damaged, would the body survive? Yes, the body would survive. But if the heart gets damaged, would the body survive? I don't know. It depends on how bad it is. I mean, you can get burned over most of your body. You'll, you'll live. You may not like how you look, but you would live. But the heart, that's a different story. Your nervous system, that's a different story. Your circulatory system, that's a different story. So the parts which we pay a lot of honor to, externally, how we dress, how we look, is not as critical as the inward parts. So the, the whole purpose of it, God give honor, what we think that we consider that doesn't have honor, God give it more honor so that there would be no separation, no division in the body. Why? Because... He wants the body, each member, to care for each other the same way. For example, I am pastor. And people put a lot of on the pastor. But he is a part of the body. An usher is just as valuable as the pastor. In case you didn't realize it. No, the person working in the parking lot or wherever is just as valuable in the body as the pastor. But we have to be careful that we do not keep a lot of honor on the pastor and don't also honor the person in the parking lot. We have to care for one another the same. Yeah. 
so that there will be no division. Oh, they don't care about me. I'm only in the parking lot. You're not just only. As I go, you'll see how important it is. There are positions in the body and there are gifts. There's position and there are gifts. Okay? Very, oh my God, you see this, it will blow your mind. Let's go to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Yes, we are members individually. And the church has appointed these in the church. First what? Apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing, helps, administrators, variety of tongues. Uh, verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all working, workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? No. All these are positions in the body. So, a prophet, teacher, these are all positions in the body. You understand? They're positions in the body. But then he says something very important. Are all, and he then he said um, in verse, and he said when, in verse uh, 28, then gifts of healing helps administrators variety of tongues. Helps. There's a ministry of helps. Administrators. Variety of tongues. There are these, some are positionally and some are gifts. Do you understand? Alright. Even though you are positionally working in the parking lot, you can have gifts of healing. You understand? So there are positions in the body, but the gifts are given by the Spirit to manifest, to benefit the whole. My God. So the person in the parking lot should never think, I'm only working in the parking lot. Because you are anointed, you could be anointed with different spiritual gifts that, to benefit the whole. But the person in the parking lot, or the greeter, or the one working in children's ministry, can have a word of wisdom or knowledge, which is to benefit the whole body. And the beauty about it, they are all operating by the same Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is in the parking lot, as He is also in the, in the, at the altar. He's everywhere. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's go to verse, go back now to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So there's a diversity of ministries. There's a diversity of activities. And there's a diversity of gifts. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Even though you have different, different positions in the body. Different administrations. Whatever it is. There are different positions. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to all. To benefit the whole. So that's why I said the person in the popular can have a gift of healing. It's given by the Spirit at will so that the, so to benefit the whole. You hear what I'm saying? So you're not just showing up to church. You're coming to church and you're, work, you're working in your position in the body with a spiritual gift to benefit the whole. So there are different gifts, ministry, activities and operation by members. Each member in the body has the ability to manifest the Spirit to benefit the whole. 
Did you hear what I'm saying? It's not just the pastor. It's not just the elders. It's not just the altar workers. Each member has the ability by the Spirit to manifest the gifts. It's not exclusive. So you're not just a person showing up in church. Listen to this in verse 11 now. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. There's no separation. The one and same Spirit. Distributing to each one individually as He wills. So I just said that. The one, so I'm just showing you so you know I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm telling you what's here. The one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, individually as who wills? He wills. It's not what I want. I can say whatever I want. And I can attempt to do, lay hands and heal people. But if that's not my gift, I am just wasting my time. So we have to be careful. We have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the body and in our lives. So when we show up, we understand what we are operating in the gift. But you can't be, you can't be high-minded and pompous about it. So what are we saying here? I want you to see something here. The body, as he said, has many members. Let me, show, let me just give you a, a, a real life so you can see how the church is supposed to function. How the body of Christ is supposed to function. So my wife and I were walking in the park yesterday. I say, watch, look how that person runs. There are people running, there are people walking. There are no two people who run the same way or walk the same way. No two people. Everyone has a, a way they run and a way they walk. Unique to that individual. And what are you seeing? You're seeing the body as a unit moving, doing something. A body in motion. All members of that body is in fellowship one with another. They're all working together. So that the whole, the whole body is exercising or doing something. It is doing some type of work. Each member, each cell. And remember, in the body there are specialized cells. Specialized organs. They are specialized. As it says in the body. He, the Holy Spirit inserts into the body. As He wills. In the position. So we all in the body are specialized. For certain things. So that the body can function in a certain way. So if you watch the people walking. Or if you watch a horse running. Or if you watch somebody like Usain Bolt running. You see them what? In motion. But you see them in their glory. When people are walking or running. You see them in their glory. Because the members that make him up. They are all in fellowship. So that he can do what he wants. Do the things he needs to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because for the body to work, the hand can't say, I am not the foot. So that I am... They have to be... Everyone has to function. Every part has to do its part. The foot can't say, well, I am not the hand, so I am not moving today. No. Then the body itself cannot... You cannot see the glory of the body in motion. If they are counteracting each other. So... All members of the body working together is to benefit the whole body, the whole. So that the whole body is glorified. The body is, you see the glory of an animal or a person in motion when everything is working together. But then, 
When you see parts missing from a limb missing from an animal, or a limb missing from someone, or a weak part of the body, what do you see? They're not moving the way they're supposed to move because there's a there's a problem. There is something missing. There is something broken, or there is something weak. The same way with the body of Christ. As the age comes to an end, he is still pulling people from darkness into light and fitting them in the body because the body is still not whole yet. And we, when we are in that, we have to understand where our position is in the body. And many saints of God do not understand what their position is in the body. So what happens in the body if part of the body is not functioning? How is the body supposed to move? The body is not going to move and work the way it's supposed to because there are parts missing and the parts that are there don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And if they're there, they're weak. You understand? So that the glory of the body of Christ, you're not going to see it until what Jesus said. He said, Father, in John 17, the glory you have given me, I have given them that they may be one. Why? So that they can have fellowship one with another. So that the world will know that you sent me. There is something that the world needs to see in the body of Christ. But they cannot see it because the body is not in koinonia. There are parts missing. And there are parts in there which were there but they don't know what they are supposed to be doing. And they are part, and they're there, and they're making the body weak. Because if that part of, if the, if the, if the, the muscle in the hand are atrophy. Can the hand work? No. Because the muscles are weak. The hand cannot work. You cannot see the glory of the body in action because the hand is weak. If the limb is cut off, the hand cannot do what it's supposed to do because that part is missing. But God is adding the parts, the members of the body as He sees fit. The problem is many people in the body of Christ do not know where they fit. And the gifts that the whole that is said in here by the Holy Spirit, which is given to all to manifest to benefit the whole body, those gifts are not in operation because some they, they don't even know what part of the body they're supposed to be in. Do you hear? Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus said in John 17, "The glory that you given me, Father, I have given them that the world that they would be one, so that the world would know that you sent me." That is going to happen because before the church is taken out. The wisdom of God will be made manifest to, print to, the, to, to principalities and powers in the heavenlies. It is going to happen. But how is that wisdom going to be revealed? Through the glory of the church. The call of ones. The ecclesia. Because the gifts, everyone will be in place and the gifts will be in operation. When Jesus is ready to come back, how would we know? We will know by the gift of the Spirit. People operating in their gifts in the body of Christ. Because he says, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Noah knew the day. The Lord told Noah a week ahead of time when the rain was going to take place. Start. The same way in these last days, we will know by the Spirit. Because God does not want His children walking in darkness. We will know before. We will know. The world won't know. But we won't know long enough, to, as He said. To, to write a book or go on a talk show. You won't have time for that. But it's going to happen through the gifts of the Spirit. Alright? As I said, if there are parts missing or misfiring or uncoordinated, 
or weak, you will not see the whole as it was made to function, the body. But effect on the whole and its shortcomings that you will see. What are people saying about the church now? What are people saying about the church? The time for playing church is coming to an end. Swiftly. Because there's a hunger in a lot of saints for righteousness. There's a hunger for the things of God. Because Jesus said, He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek ye first. That wasn't a suggestion. If you want to live the reality of the promises of God, you've got to seek the source. It's, it's, there's no, there, that's how it's written. And that is how it's going to be done. Jesus said, if you love me, if you want to live the reality of the promises of God, you have to seek the kingdom. You have to seek the things of God. Because God, the Lord says, if you honor me, I will honor you. And it is truly time for us to live the reality of the promises of God. We go through the religious exercises. We come to church. We sing. We hear the word. We decide if we want to, if we want to obey it or not. And eh, that wasn't a good word today. I don't feel like going to church today. I'm not going to miss anything. Here, hear what we hear? I, I, I. It's not what do I have to contribute to the whole. It's I, I, I. Yes, we are mem- individual, but we are also members of a whole. Part of a whole. So understand, God places the members in the body as He wills. Because He knows what we are capable... Oh my God. Because He knows what we are capable of individually and as a whole. God has a plan for us. Individually and as a whole. We are to be like Christ. And we will because... That was always God's plan. God's plan is to have koinonia with redeemed man. And that redeemed man will look like the image of his son. Because the Bible says we are all being conformed into the image of Christ. And that's being done by the Holy Spirit as we pursue God. As we seek the things of the kingdom, the Holy Spirit is chastising. He's forming, shaping us into the image of Christ. Because he said, if you don't endure chastisement, you are not sons. So next week, we're going to start to, I'm going to start talking more about the body and more about the gifts and how things are supposed to operate. Listen, we have so much to learn. We have so much to learn. But I'll pick this up next week.